And for information, I am not saying Yoruba culture, any culture is perfect. There is no perfect culture. But there's one thing we always miss. There is no absolutely bad culture. There is no absolutely bad, good culture. You must study culture to know what is positive and can be used for development. I know those ones you should throw away. If you condemn the whole of your culture as I you are a stupid idiot. If you praise everything, you are compound food. All you need, study your culture, take the one that is good for progress, leave the one that is, but to say that your bad culture has nothing for the future, again, stupid idiot. Welcome everyone to Know How the Podcast. This is episode 60. This is your boy Tunde, and I'm joined with my co-host, Superlord Bao, and our mm-hmm. special guest of the evening, <laughs> EVA Ani. Did I pronounce it correctly? Wow. This is the second time you butchered an adult woman's name. Okay, well then correct me. Correct me. Go ahead and take it over, sir. Oh, you want me to say it? Go ahead. Yeah, let's kind of do it. She's your cousin. She's fam. It's fam. You know what I mean? We're in all the reunions together. I'm like, oh, let's go EPA. Just like that. All the reunions. Back to here now. We're there. Go ahead, and Okay. That's it. That's it. I, I, I said EPA. You want me to say the last name? I want her gutman out there, even though it's her. Uh, no, First her. of all, that's not even my problem. I have like three more names. Of course you do. Oh, why, yeah. would I, why would you not have 17 names? She said, you thought this was my final form? <laughs> that is hilarious. Oh, man. How are you feeling today? I'm well. Um, right now, I'm trying to stay focused, which is difficult to do right now. You know, trying to get work done and keep up with the regular life things. But I'm here. Okay. And um what's it called? Uh we gotta thank you first of all, thank you so much for taking time out to jump on the podcast. You know, we've been so how long have we been talking to her people and sending emails and writing letters? <laughs> how how long has it been? What'd you say? I said how long has it been since we've been sending email to her and writing letters trying to get EV on the podcast. I feel it's like been at least seven moons. Um, I don't know what that means. Moons. I don't know what that means in Nigerian speak, but I figured that was well, vague Fortnite. enough. Yeah, yeah, it was vague <laughs> enough. That, it was vague enough that we can get our point across. across that it's been a long time. Um, yeah. But yeah, man, we're just grateful to you know. It's unfortunate that it took a cold quarantine and legends dying and Nigeria, you know, finally stepping into Niger- the, the you know Nigeria. Shout out to our Ghana people. Big up, you know, you know I'm Ghanaian now, so. I'm Togolese, well, I mean, it's fine. Bawa's yeah. Ghanaian now. I've adopted Togo um, because they seem to be the, you know, the least problematic out of all of the West Africans. Um, so I've adopted, I've adopted the Togolese as, as uh, my people, you know. But I'm grateful that we finally have a female voice of reason to uh, counter our goatishness as men on this podcast. Right. You have not had a woman on this podcast yet. Oh, uh, we we used to actually have, <laughs> we used to have a we used to have a, we used to have a lady co-host and then she fell in love and then you know that's what happens sometimes sometimes people fall in love and we've had three different co three different female co-hosts I think. we have right <laughs> we have. 
for whatever reason they just have they just you know some some people just haven't survived that's all man and you just just have to keep pushing up Wow. Some people, some people, some people moved away. Some people got in relationships. You know, normal shit. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm just gonna, I'm well, gonna give you a general tip. If you can count the number of women that you've had on the show, it's not enough. Ooh, it's never enough. Technically, it's never enough. Bowel couldn't count, really? so that means that he. Is, you know, <laughs> <Right>. technically, <laughs> I could have counted three. Technically, so. Bowel couldn't count any. So, <laughs> but we've had a lot of female guests, though. Oh yeah, we have had a lot of female guests actually. Tenny, Poison Ivy, etc. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was asking. I was oh, asking the guests. Okay. We were, so we were thinking hosts. Yeah, we yeah. definitely had a handful of of um. Yeah, we've guests. had um, Poison Ivy. We've had um, Chanae. Oh, shout out! We've yeah, had shout out Poison Ivy. Yeah, Chanae yeah. Ogunike, the basketball player. Absolutely, we've had quite a few. So we're we're we've had we've done, um, we've done a healthy balance. We've tried anyway. Yeah, we've had more. I think we've had more female guests than male. Izzy and and um the only Izzy's been on there. The only other male co-host we've had was TK. So oh, this is true. Yeah, we definitely we. I think our ratio is especially in a good place. Okay, good. Then I have no beef. Then good. No you should have okay. beef. Everybody's Tony Vegan anyway, so you should just adopt a vegan lifestyle, and everybody will be okay. There we go. You know. So, but yeah, we we'll start we'll start the topics. Um. I think the biggest thing now has been um, the young man from Georgia that was killed. Yes, that has um, been that has definitely been top of mind all week. Uh, for the, I mean, right. for the past week. Uh, in fact, I think the it's that's probably what led us to jumping back in the group chat and being like, "Hey, we need to have a conversation." Um, right. How did y'all find out about it? First of all, I'm curious to 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 learn about how you guys came across the information. Um, definitely via social media. Um, I started seeing, I, I believe, I, I'm not sure if I saw tweets to reports first or reports and then tweets first. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was the former. I'm pretty sure I saw response tweets, um, first and is it, that's how I found out. But um, the general public obviously found out a lot later than his actual death because we know that this occurred in February. And we know that this has been an obvious delay of justice. So the public found out very late. And then the state reaction is in response to the public reaction. Right. I I I think um my mine was also social media. Um, it was just one of those things like you read it and you're like, wait, what? And then I I know I read it first and I was like, okay, I'll I'll circle back and find articles on it. And then it just kept popping up everywhere. And I was really stunned that when I found out the date because I thought it was something that had just happened. Because mm-hmm. um, the biggest thing I think on Twitter for me is the biggest like shock shock when it comes to like a black kid being killed uh was michael brown because i feel like michael brown was in real time because they were trying to hide and just cover up michael brown but i felt like it was one of those things where you were just finding out through twitter so it was mm-hmm. to me that i found out this late about it because um I'm, i kept seeing february and i'm like wait a minute we're not in you know like it wasn't a couple of days ago this was like months so mm-hmm. um when i found out i was still trying to like find everything out and ask myself why it happened I, you know you go and just 
hoping for the best whenever you hear something. I'm just hoping, you know, every, you know, things are on the up and up again. Obviously, it's a southern state, a red state, and you start to read up on the cover-up and their relationship with the law, um, the killer's relationship with the law and his history, and it's like, okay, now, you know, there's definitely foul play going on here, and the cover-up, like, was the scariest part of it to me, but it was definitely through social media, and then the the media started covering it and then obviously the reports came in of them being arrested but um i found out through i think i found out through instagram mm, instagram first via the tw- over twitter interesting yeah yeah i found out via um instagram i think i saw the hashtag but i just didn't know then i didn't dig into it but then i saw a picture of him which you know um i think it was the graduation picture i saw Mm-hmm. And then I read up on it. So it was definitely Instagram that caught my attention. Because mm-hmm. during quarantine, I'm like, I try to limit how much I'm taking in outside of jokes, you know, here and there, the news. But it was mostly jokes and keeping up with people, making sure everyone is right. So, but the picture caught my attention. And then I searched the name and read up on it. Mm-hmm. You? Okay. I definitely saw on Twitter first. Um, primarily because the network that I have on Twitter is mostly people either in media or in the activist community organizing circle. So mm-hmm. I saw that name circulating on Twitter, and I think I saw a portrait. Um, I believe the same portrait that you saw in yes. the hashtag. And then immediately I start looking into the news and digging up the reports and seeing the coverage. And a lot of the coverage was building, obviously, as the public response was building because everyone found out late. Yeah. Um, yeah, everyone found out late. Obviously, that's where the phrase that, keeps, that you keep hearing thrown around is delay of justice because um, in terms of the arrest that was made, the arrest, was obviously made in tandem with the public response and the public right. outcry and the call to action that came with the hashtag. Because a lot of the times you see the images circulating, circulating, you see a horrible video circulating, which shouldn't uh-huh. be circulating. Uh-huh. Um, but if those images are constantly being shared, but there's no call to action, there's absolutely no point and sharing the hashtag and the and the the sensitive images, the sensitive video. Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, even me, well, like the way I found out about it, I was having a conversation with a friend, and that friend was like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "What? Was like, Did you see this thing?" I was like, "What thing?" They're like, "I just got an alert um, on whatever Apple News about this shooting," and I was like, "What are you talking about?" And then the minute she said that it populated on Twitter, like on my feed, somebody had retweeted that like one of those articles like CNBC or, or NBC or one of those um, publications had posted about um, the shooting. And I was like, oh snap. And then right after I saw the news publication, I started to see video footage about it. And I was like, nah, I'm not watching the video because I'm already programmed now. Like when I hear about things like that, I'm expecting to see footage. And I just like, I can't, I don't have the 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 emotional energy to see negative information, especially visually, often. And we, had, you know, we were just coming off of 
of of some deaths of of musicians and so forth so i was just like you know what i don't i'm just gonna read to gather the information from the article and then um move on from there but ever since then i've just been conscious of how people share information because i remember when um was it freddie freddie gray and uh what was the other um um there was another uh, uh killing that came to mind where people were just sharing the the footage all the over footage, the internet yeah, yeah without mm-hmm. without considering people's like um sensitivities and you know a lot of people are just desensitized to such media now so i'm always very careful not I to think, um, that, the video i remember was the the gentleman from minnesota that had his license to carry i can't uh, castile i think was his name uh, yeah, philando castile Philandian. thank you that is what i was yeah. trying to remember thank you so much so that was the first time um that i remember getting sent graphic video like that without my um consent and just like having like clicking the button consuming it and and being like yo what the like you'd even think to ask me like whether it was okay for you to send this to me like how do you know like where my state is where i can see this footage right so i've just been very sensitive about how i intake information and also conscious of people that don't have any etiquette when they share shit like that like you should always have uh the, the smarts at least to consider that you you got to warn people before you send shit like that hey is it okay if i can send you this graphic thing like i want you to be aware i want to share this knowledge with you but this kind of graphic would you mind if i shared this with you before just dumping it on someone right um yeah i haven't seen the video yet I've yeah me, me about, i've seen the first four seconds and exited out of it like i've seen the build-up to it but i haven't seen the actual video um, I just don't see the purpose of it. I don't want to, like, I personally don't like normalizing certain things like, okay, here goes another black kid that's so I can't, I can't watch it. It takes a toll on you. You know, I've seen, Um, I think I saw, I'm trying to remember the last one I saw where I was just like, all right, I'm drawing the line. I think it might be Castillo, might be the last one. I remember um, Michael Brown. Um, I remember the years ago, Sean something, the guy from New York that was getting married. Sean Bell. Mm-hmm. Sean Bell. Bell. Yeah, that one was it's still insane to me. It's been years later. And obviously yeah. the gentleman um, from Stein Island that was selling cigarettes. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just certain things that just stick to you. And I'm just like, I, you know, because the guy, he, like, it was so, it just happened so slow with them choking him up. And I was just like, nah, I can't. I think that was the last one I watched. And I was just like, yeah. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't breathe was definitely the one. Um, one yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was that was my final thing I could I would say I could watch and just not you know I can't do this anymore. Um, so usually the news goes around first and then you, the video pops up. So by then I know that you know what to expect. But I was told about how the video starts anyway. So once I saw the beginning of the video, I've seen it a couple of times. Like you scrolling and it just pops up. But I think I should actually start reporting those pages. Come to think about it. Yeah. You know, if anybody I know shares shares a video of a black man dying or a black kid dying, I should just you should just have to report the page. Smart guy. Um, I've I've noticed I've noticed a lot of like common citizens just sharing these videos. People who don't work in media, people who don't work in any of these spaces. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. regular everyday people just sharing the images and sharing the videos. So like Tra- trauma porn, man. It's it's just like it's 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 there's people that just it's like watching it's like driving on the highway and seeing a car crash and everybody's just like huh 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 
but then there's also there's the everyday people sharing the images, and then there are actually people advocating for these images to continue to be shared. Like I don't know because they don't know any better. The the Intercept just released an op-ed by a white woman who's arguing that these perverse images of death, in the same vein as Ahmaud Arbery's video of death need to be mm-hmm. seen so that there is public outcry so that there is a response of course of so course a, of course a white person of course a white person on the intercept would say that the same way they would advocate for public hangings of black people when the kkk was running rampant and killing black people and hanging them in for all their communities to see they love public displays of morbid curiosity they love that shit. so we, I, we I, don't need to publicly witness a black person's death in order yeah. to grieve them, in order to respond, in order to request justice. Correct. If white people feel like they need to view, then that is the issue in itself. Morbid curiosity. Right. We see, yeah, no, we see think... black people struggling all the time. Like, we live that shit. We are black. So there is no reason for us to feel like we need to share more of that pain in, in our community. What we need to do is hold the people that are doing these atrocities accountable so that they stop doing these things that require people to feel the need to share these, you know, horrible images out. I mean, we, we see the news every day. We hear stories all the time about people being mistreated by, you know, non-people of color. Uh, so I don't think it's us that needs to be shared, any of that stuff. It, yeah, it's very perverse and it's like traumatic voyeurism. And it's just it's just a very strange dynamic. Not new, obviously, but you can still be grievable and not have your death displayed online. You know, right? Um, and it's just problematic on a million different levels for a white person to make that argument, no matter what the intent is. But they clearly don't understand the dynamic of how perverse that is and the power dynamic right. of what their viewership means. When a black person I is think, killed. I think um they they need the visual to feel make it feel real for themselves. But um yeah, I obviously we're here, we're living the life we can see ourselves, you know, in these people. So I don't think the visual is needed. It takes a a different soul in us than a white person. And, you know, it's sad but it's I I'm not shocked by them having that view because, you know, they just don't move in a way that makes you feel like, okay, the value of a black man, you know, matters to a white person. And obviously, you know, there's certain black people that we can all, you know, that would say, okay, they don't appreciate a black life as much as the average black person does. But I'm definitely not looking to see an image or a video to, for it to be real to me or for me to feel the need to speak out or protest or, you know, feel a type of way about justice in this country. And also just think about the fact or the question, when do we ever see slain white people on social media and the news? When do we ever see white people getting killed in viral videos? We don't because they value value those lives. We don't. It's it's over-presentation of black people getting killed and violence against black people that's being circulated. It's not images of white people being circulated. And there's no argument being made that we need to see white people getting killed or people being killed in general to grieve them or to understand that an injustice was made. 
it's, it's never the case. But every time a black person dies and gets killed, that's the argument. It's uh, ridiculous at this point. At this point, it's ridiculous. There's no way to be diplomatic about that. It's ridiculous. I agree. 100%. The crazy thing, um, the last, um, I remember watching, what's the Tiger King show? Um, <laughs> they, no, it's because they, um, there's a scene where the one of the young kid kills himself, or one of the husbands. Uh-huh. Like he shot himself in the head. And they don't show it, you know. Obviously, they record they record the guy's reaction to him killing himself. Uh-huh. Um, they just showed a video of him watching him kill himself, and that's all we see. And it, they made it somber, they made it you know, it, the scene itself just gra- just holds you and puts you, like, that was good enough to have people feel sad, to have people feel the type of way. So why is that not, you know, why is an article not good enough? Why is the news breaking not good enough that, okay, a black man died, was killed while jogging? Just that scene alone or just the idea of that should rile you up. But like you said, it's, it's just, they're just not there. I don't want to say yet because it's not, I don't know what, what's going to make them get there. Yeah. They're just not when it comes to black lives. And I'm not shocked. So I don't know. Like, I'm not shocked that she's advocating for that, but it's just not for me to see a video or image of a black man dying. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good on that. Um, yeah. I hope, I hope, you know, I hope we get good news at the end of it. Cause obviously we've seen, what was it? The, the guy that um the cop what was yeah the they've whole been charged um, they've been they've been charged but look until I, until we see a prosecution bro like like yeah, my hope my mm-hmm. hope is that there's a prosecution but because both of the the assailants that are that are you know on video killing this kid um they both have relationships with like local uh law enforcement and local government where the killing happened, right? So one of the accused is a former DA, I guess, in the in the district that they all lived in. So, you know, he they were basically free for two weeks before social media caught wind of what was going on. And because we, you know, black people and you know related parties on social media called attention to what was going on, that's the only reason why they're being held accountable because their law enforcement knew that this kid had been killed weeks ago. And nothing was done. Mm-hmm. They just were going to bury it, and that and nobody would have heard about it. So I can only imagine. I mean, we can all imagine how many of these types of cases are happening in places like the South all the time that never get any, you know, light of day. That never come to the surface because, you know, the people that are accused have a relationship with the lo- local law enforcement, etc. And it doesn't just happen in the South. It happens, in, you know, happens in New York too. Happens everywhere. Happens in Africa. Happens everywhere. Right. So. Um, it's just a reminder that sometimes you're expecting justice and law and order to come into play and human nature takes over. Yeah. Um, I want to, I'm just not, I'm not going to get my hopes up for them being prosecuted. I'm not going to lie to you. Obviously yeah. we're going to keep up with it, but I'm not going to get my hopes up. And ain't that sad? Like we should all be like, oh yeah, the justice system is going to take care of it. Everything's going to work out, but we're so just, accustomed what to What does these... the justice system take care of other than <laughs> the same justice system? Right? Yeah. The justice system takes care of itself. And justice for who? And the people who made it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's what it takes care of. It takes care of us as many as many times as what we were originally considered to be uh, worth human when the Constitution was formed. Was it three quarters? Yeah. 
So it's it works. It works three quarters of the time. Yeah, and an <laughs> indictment is not the is not the end of this, and no, a conviction be, is not even the end of it. We need to we need them to be prosecuted for us to rejoice. Mm-hmm. So yeah, prayers up for. No, uh, well, we need we need the system changed entirely. How do you think that's gonna happen? Uh, EVA for listen, president, yay! Yikes! I would never enter politics ever. <laughs> <laughs> EVA is too pure. Big yikes! EVA is too, too pure to get her hands dirty. Into politics. I respect it, but yeah, prayers up to the Arbery family. Um, anyone, anyone connected to Ahmad Arbery, like our our prayers are with you. Hope we hope that justice is is served. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll just I guess we'll just watch and wait to see what happens and see if the justice system plays us per usual or if you know the perpetrators are held accountable. Because we've learned that it being on camera is not enough to get people to be held to task and to be held accountable for oh, their crimes. Definitely, yeah. And, um, I'm sure in, in the coming week, weeks we're gonna get different reports like assassinating Omar's character. So, yeah. oh yeah, of course, that's what they do. That's what the media does best. The media does best. They they probably hiring a hiring a PR team, and you know you know how the shit works. The minute that these type of things happen, you'll get like the mysterious anonymous donors that will pay for a whole PR team to exonerate oh, these two exactly. dudes. Mm-hmm. If that man didn't try to shoot us in the third grade, we're about to find out. Yeah. If he, if, he, if, he, if he littered when he was 12 years old outside of, you know, school grounds, we'll hear about it. Um, but yeah, let's take a quick commercial break. You know what I'm saying? Get our sponsors some live and then we'll come back and we'll jump into the next topics. So yeah, um, we're back, y'all. And uh, what what are we jumping into now? We have mad topics to run through. <laughs> a lot is happening. There's a lot it's happening. Like, a lot is happening in real time. Um, on, you guys want to touch on L. Thomason, or should we just skip it? <laughs> we could. <laughs> I don't have much to say about that. It's a peculiar predicament. Yeah, I neither. Right. He 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 yeah. just he just made all the Yoruba demons we know look very uh, uh, adolescent, very novice. <laughs> Big boy. <laughs> <laughs> the dread counts on his like, what is this? Like? Um, you want to do six, six, speak on six nine? I really don't want to speak on this yeah, guy either. I, do. <laughs> I don't. It's up um, to you. You know, yeah, how do you think? Federal federal informant. I mean, all I have to say is what I tweeted the other day. Literally. Um, yeah, it'll be, if I read it, it'll be a bunch of hate. I don't know. More power to him. I don't care. I no, 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 no power, power to him. To him. No Let power me say to this. him. This is what I'll say. I'll, re- I'll reiterate um, what I said in case you would only like to read. So, um, I, I mean, we saw the rise and fall of Takashi from a mile away. Um, mm-hmm. When I was editor at Okitsuya, okay, I commissioned a piece to Andre G about the rise and fall of Takashi 69. Um, mm-hmm. Just running through everything he did that led up to this point of him being arrested and um, facing life during that time. And there's just a whole bunch of factors at play. There's the record label side. 
that preys on chaotic young people of color coming from certain environments and then when they get into certain predicaments they don't follow through in supporting them there's that angle because we know who Takashi is backed by and if you don't know who Takashi is backed by you should google tell me tell me what's his name again Elliot Range wonderful and uh whose son is he Lucian Grange's son and who is Lucian Grange, for those who don't know? For those who don't know, Lucian Grange is the reason why Takashi was pretty much able to get every feature he ever wanted and to get everything he ever wanted because Lucian Grange is Chief Executive Officer of Universal Music Group. So, voilà. it, Which is it, also owned by one of the biggest French conglomerates in the, in the universe, Vivendi. Mm-hmm. So literally, uh, Elliot Grange, his son, has the world at his disposal. Any of his artists that are signed to his label, 10K projects or 10,000 projects, however you want to call it. Um, I, I believe Takashi is one of the only front-facing acts that are signed to that label. So basically, any, any resources that an executive at Universal Music would have access to. I mean, you're the son of one of the biggest record executives in the universe. Of course, you have access to everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, none so, of it surprises me at all. I mean, he's just following his father's footsteps. Like, how can we use um, chaos and, and ignorance and distractions to, you know, further perpetuate ideals that send Black people to jail? Like, what do we need to do in order to promote lifestyle? And to just com- make money. Because and, make, and make money, who, yes. Takashi's demographic is not who he portrays himself to be, his demographic is young white kids or young Latina kids, teenagers, um, people of that, um, in, within that space, and adults as well, but the, the demo has a lot of younger people in it. Correct. People who are obviously not involved of, in any capacity in the street. In, uh, in street in the street world or of quote unquote the culture hip hop culture, American fans are not hip hop. So you have that element of it, the label end of it, and then you have the element of him posturing as a street person and and all that. Um, and then we have another element that's not being talked about enough, and that is this aspect of exactly what I tweeted before and exactly what I stated before. The straw that broke the camel's back for people to no longer support Six Nine by people I don't mean his demographic, um, but people within hip hop within the community. The straw that broke the camel's back was him snitching, not mm. all the sus stuff that he was doing before. Mm-hmm. So him snitching was what made people no longer want to align with him. Made rappers no one no longer want to align with him, and it made. People within the culture kind of want to sidestep him. It was him snitching. It was not the fact that he admitted to physically abusing his baby mother for years. It was not the fact that his baby mother came forward and detailed how he physically abused her and assaulted her, sexually assaulted her multiple times. It wasn't that. It also wasn't the sexual misconduct video case with a minor 
that happened in 2015. So yeah, all nasty. of that was public information before the snitching situation. All of this was public information. Uh-huh. And people still aligned with him. Celebrities still aligned with him, still did features with him. He was still signed. There was very basically no repercussion. And that was an ongoing case that kept unfolding and unfolding. And he got hit with probation. And before this new case, he was still dealing with the residual effects of that case. And he did not handle that case in, in uh, a great way when no, he addressed no, no. it publicly. There's a lot of misconceptions over that case still. I know you see a lot of people saying that he's a rapist, he's a pedophile. He's that, like, that's not what the case was at all. And I think that it's important to make that distinction because even when it's bad, I think it's still important to be right. Like it's yes. still important to be accurate. Um, wasn't it like, wasn't it like a saw of a minor or something like that? So when he was 18, um, he, he was in this video um, with adults, with other adults, because he was 18, and with a minor. And the minor, if you look through the court records and all the reports, there's a really extensive report in Jezebel that details all of this. And there's like, a, I'm not going to get graphic in it, but there's like sexual performance, obviously, with a minor. And the court documents detail that Takashi is not included in quote-unquote intercourse, but he is making physical contact with the minor. Um, So all in all, it's a terrible predicament. Like all in all, no matter, you know, it's just a horrible predicament because at the end of the day, the minor is the one who suffers from this. Whether Takashi is culpable or not is not in question, really. It's the fact that, you know, this girl is put into this predicament and whether it was done for a video that whoever agreed to be a part of, it's still a terrible predicament. And whatever the dynamic about with someone lying about their age or whatever, it's still, no, you're 13 years old, minor, horrible predicament. So Takashi was involved in that. Um, the court records lay it all out. They lay out his involvement. They lay out everything. He was hit with three counts of um felony sexual misconduct for using a minor or a child in a sexual performance video. He pleaded guilty. Um, so, yeah, that, that was that. But the reason why I think people ran with the he's a rapist, he's a pedophile, is when Trippy Red came forward and um, years ago and blasted that on the Internet, calling him a rapist and a pedophile simply because he had beef with him. Mm-hmm. So there was a whole lot of that element of, you know, women and girls always being the collateral damage of men in hip-hop having beef, and then they don't even care about the women and the girls at the end of the day, but they're doing whatever, whatever, to kind of support whatever their agenda is. So it it wasn't, when Trippie Red came out with that information, didn't seem like it was because he cared about the girl and her life and the he just wanted to he just wanted to use that element to com- to completely trash uh Takashi's character whom he had beef with correct um, well, agenda agendas did, were always agent we've learned that so but the thing is it didn't really damage his image as much as it should have you know yeah. well, because, it didn't, because, because people don't care about women and girls and they don't care about sexual right. assault and they don't care about misconduct and they don't care 
about any anything of that nature. And people are saying, well, they're, they're age mates if you're 13 and you're 18. If you're 18, you're an adult. It doesn't matter if you would have been in high school together. It's still a terrible predicament because at the end of the day, this minor is involved with, uh, we have to remember that Takashi wasn't the only person there. So it's not, it doesn't make it any better just because he was young also does not yeah. make it any better because there were other men there who were adults. Yeah. Get what I'm saying? Like, it yeah. does not make her situation any better. So what happened was um, I think people completely disregarded that or they completely ran with it, but then they started using the terminology like Takashi's a rapist, Takashi's a pedophile, and which was not what the case was about and that's not what was depicted in all of the information that's present but that's what people ran with because that's what Trippie Red said and then people who didn't like him just started using that as an excuse people who didn't like him because they didn't like his music they didn't like whatever 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 um then that happened and there was a lot of inaccurate information about that but then he also handled the case in a terrible way yeah um, I don't think he cared he didn't care, and even when Trippy Red came out with the information, he mocked, he mockingly did a video saying, "If I'm a rapist, I'm a happy rapist." So it was nice. very clear that he was sloppily handling the case, and he was treating it as a joke and using it um, to his advantage, running with the negative press and running with the negative reception of him, and amplify whatever he had going on. He just wasn't responding in a serious light to that case in any way. And he also was caught like fabricating details when he did that interview with academics. Um, he just fabricated details left and right and it just didn't look good. And not only did it look, it, not, only did it not look good, it just was not good. He didn't take the case seriously. So then there was that. And then the whole other thing with him abusing his baby mother so all of these bad things lined up way before the snitching came into play. But it was the snitching that got but, people to say, maybe we need to rethink our alignment with Takashi 69. That's so trash, that but also, but, but think about the people that signed him. It didn't confuse me at all because you think about the people that signed him, like, again, these are people that are supposed to be, supposed to be street, street guys, but they definitely use Takashi's brand and, and and his image in order to try to, uh, you know, I mean, he's, Takashi even claims that what they tried to kidnap him, they, you know, slept with his baby mother, they stole money from him, they did all these things, but at the same time, they were using, you know, they were using Takashi to kind of elevate themselves financially by using all the chaos and the negativity around him in order to enrich their own bank accounts. And mm-hmm. um, so, mm-hmm. so I, I, I mean, there's a good podcast that, that lays all this out, uh, infamous, the Takashi declined story. And it lays out all the reports. It's reporting done by an actual journalist, journalist. So it's not it's not like sensationalized anything. But if you are just you want to know the full story of how we got here, just listen to the podcast if you don't like to read. And it lays everything out. There's interviews from the very people you're speaking about who did use him um, to align with him and what have you. So this the whole story is there. But that's all I have to say about that. Outside of everything else, I'm not really interested 
and yeah. Same. I'm also not really sympathetic because at the end of the day, like I, many of us have been following this from the jump, and most of us don't care. At the end of the day, like yeah, the real, the, the real thing about it is we don't care. Try not to put any more light to it. Like it's just, uh, obviously, it's gonna be in our face for a minute. Social, like certain social um, accounts, care for it. Social media accounts care for it, so they're gonna like push everything out there and obviously he's going to do certain numbers because of the demographic that actually cares for him aren't i don't think they're people we know um and <laughs> hip-hop hip-hop is pop now so uh-huh. you don't you know it's not like there's a certain look for the hip-hop artists or the community of hip-hop is that rigid where you can say okay we're all not listening to this artist it's you know it's worldwide like the countries yeah. are the, you know, countries I will never go to that are huge hip-hop fans. And they don't, you know, the, they don't really live by the sun cold or live the same way we see things. Or, or, and they're not, ex- they're they're not, not expected to. They're not in the, yeah, and they're not in the culture and they don't gain or lose anything from whichever way the culture goes. So Facts. hip-hop is pop now. So um, I, it's crazy because I remember when... um what's his name, Lil Nas X tried to break into a country and people were like, oh, you see how they control the billboard and they try to keep him out of that sound. You can't necessarily do that with hip hop as much because it's so much bigger, you know, like it exists in these pockets all over the world. So well, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure EVA can, can dive more into how race and all that stuff plays into why that is the case with country music versus hip hop. I mean, black people essentially create culture and then our culture is we you know we don't we don't protect our investment financially and then others come in and they essentially take the culture and that is what happened with hip-hop and it's what happened with some of country too like ray charles put out a country album in in the 50s or the 60s and then he was completely erased from the narrative of country music i mean it's not even about finance it's not even about financial protection it's about the it's influence culture etc it's, it's influencing, you know, it's the fact that before we, Ray Charles put out a country album, Black people invented country music because the origin of the banjo is from Africa. Country music comes from blues as a Black genre. Like, it's Black music. There's no, the, the facts are there. It's not an opinion. Country music is Black music. Um, mm-hmm. So that whole thing with Lil Nas X is interesting. I commissioned the writer. Um, named Deshaun to write about the history of Black people in country music and Lil Nas X um, when I was at OK Player and we went through, we ran through that entirely, but um, Black people and white people get treated differently when it comes to the genres and Billboard and Billboard has a really interesting history um, with race. Um, They even used to have a category called race records. Mm Mm-hmm. Which they will, they'll never address it now, but but all the music we consider urban or black music, whatever they used to call it race music, and it was that was literally what it was called. It was called race music because it was black people made it. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening is black artists would make race music. So think James Brown, Little Richard, etc. And then you would have the Beatles, you know, Elvis, etc. That would take race music and essentially how we okay. So if you look at it like. Today we have YouTube and covers, right? So essentially it would be like all the black people creating all this original music and then all these 
white creators on YouTube making covers of that and then getting mm-hmm. deals. And that was the only way that people got record deals. Like if they, mm-hmm. all the white kids making covers, that's exactly how the music business used to be in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and all that. I think it was up, up until like Jimi Hendrix and then like the disco era where things started to kind of change. And then Michael Jackson completely came in and blew it out of the water. Like the new additions, the Michael Jacksons, the Princes started to kind of shift things and change how race music was perceived like when michael jackson had his uh he was the first music video played on mtv wasn't it i believe I so yeah i think yeah. michael jackson so the first, for, no the first um black artist no i, I think yeah. they i think they launched mtv with michael jackson no um i think this guy what advocated for them to play his music the guy that passed away a couple of years ago oh my god i cannot i can't Remember his name. I know who you're talking. I know. Who, I know who you're talking about because Combat Jack interviewed him. Yes. Yes. Uh, um, uh, yeah. It's gonna bother me too, <laughs> but I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. But you're absolutely right. Like they were gonna limit um, Michael's music to you know the BTS and so forth, and they were like, Nah, let's definitely get his show on MTV, and they did it. And a lot of people behind the scenes were against it. A lot of people that don't look like us were like, Well, why are we putting race music on these pop stations. So pop was always um, virtual signaling for white music. And then you had race right. music, which which essentially became urban or black, whatever. So it's the same fight that I had to fight when I was at my former company. It's like fighting for people that look like us to end up in certain pop spaces. And then when they had to give you excuses why they wouldn't do it, it's like, that's not even a real excuse. Like, just say that because they're black. Like, it would be, it would make me feel better if you were just at least honest about why you're not going to do it, right? Um, because there's no reason why, like, certain people are selected. Like, there are tokens that are selected from the urban spaces, like Jay Z, like Drake, like Kendrick, you know, like ASAP, um, Ro- like ASAP Rocky, you know, like uh, Lizzo, right? And then they put them like, oh yeah, they're pop, so we're not racist because we we've, we've picked these people to always, you know represent the others when we talk about race in pop music. You know what I mean? But um, for, every, yes. for every one Lizzo, yes. there's, seven, there's 70 Taylor Swift's for every one Lizzo. No, oh, the answer is David Bowie, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shout out to David Bowie. Yeah, Michael yeah, Jackson was the David. first black artist to be played in that music on TV. Boom. Yeah, it was David Bowie and um, Rick Rubin, Rick James. I'm, was that, it was the early days of, yeah. They've always James. spoke on it and then went from there, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, man. And it, it's unfortunate that it always takes someone, you know, it always takes a Caucasian that believes in equality and advocating for people on the other side of the spectrum for us to get any sort of representation that's in, in, in spaces that have been uh, reserved for people who don't look like us. Like, I will go as far mm-hmm. as even to say we wouldn't even have had the success, the successes we've had with someone like Burna Boy in the in the mainstream space um in the past few years if not for an ed sheeran making shape of you if not for a major laser you know you know doing their own doing their own doing their own remixes and and freaking african records and and getting getting into those spaces and making it cool to make african music where you have now you have like dua lipa and halsey and all these other non you know black artists that are trying to make african music right um, did you know halsey was black though she's half black but yeah yeah i know but i mean most people don't most of halsey's fans don't know halsey's black 
I mean, looking at her, I wouldn't know that she was black. Yeah. But that's besides the point. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's it's it always takes uh, you know, a white person to vouch for it to get recognition and coverage. I do it every day. Imagine how how much I've had to fight for certain records where I was like, you know, if this artist was white, I wouldn't have to have this conversation with you. You would just put it in there. You know? And it's the same music. Like, all it takes is someone that doesn't look like the person to make the same sound. Oh my god, it's groundbreaking. It's genre-bending. It's it's experimental. It's, it's, you know, they're breaking new grounds. You know? But the people that actually created the ground that broke the shit in the first place uh, oh, it's it's world, you know. It's it's. Well, but my thing now, well, you guys are more into music, the music industry than I am. Um, it's like whenever something starts, you know, in the black circle and the black community, unfortunately, it seems we want the white establishment to give us that stamp, you know, and then once that stamp is given, then it gets monetized. Correct, and that and that is the reason why people historically look for that stamp because they want money. <laughs> they know that right. when you get and that stamp, money. usually what follows is a check. You're right. Yeah, but now, people need you're... to expand beyond what that means. People need to understand what that financial help does for these artists, for these Correct. creators. Exactly. Correct. It's exactly. tangible material. Uh, help so it's it's not i wrote about this in my uprock piece about burner boy and the grammys and the world music category i laid this all out um i laid out the history of world music and i laid out the history of how the western world engages african cultural production i laid it out already so it's not the fact that it's not always the fact that black artists are looking for white validation it's the fact that this is the way it works and whether or not you want white validation is not always the question. It's the fact that that validation brings tangible material help and has tangible effects on your career. So a Grammy nomination has a tangible effect on Burner Boy's career, whether he cares about white people or not. You know what right. I'm saying? No, that's the sad thing because it's like we haven't, like our, our market is underdeveloped, right? The continent itself, where it's like, you can't just say some artist can create a sound and just keep it within the continent and they will make X amount of dollars and don't, you know, never have to worry about um, working again. Cause we don't even have enough streaming companies involved in our continent. You know, I know when we had um, Poison Ivy, she was speaking about the music business in Kenya and how the structure, you know, doesn't even exist. So I think a lot of that, a lot of that has to do with how much money you can really make within our community because since the early 2000s a lot of rappers have been thinking about the fact that when they do performances the crowd is mostly caucasian mm. you know like when they go on tour and when they do you know when they go to these fun even staying in america like when you go to when they do shows in their cities it's mostly a white crowd it's more you know it's not the faces on that aren't it's not like a lot of african-americans so i don't you know I get the artist wanting to cross over, but it's like it has its repercussions because once you cross over, you know, they also, that community crosses over into the culture because now you have people making rap, you know, like I, I see a new face, like, you know, you follow a young person and the 
people that listen to it. It's just like, who is this person? Uh-huh. Face that here, um, doing some kind of viral thing online to get like views and this, you know, it's just like all the non hip hop things or what hip hop, you know, happens in hip hop now, you know, and I'm sure five, ten years from now, we're going to have somebody in Bulgaria making Afrobeat music because they figured out some kind of, <laughs> some kind of repetition in the beat. I hate and, to break it to you, Bao, but it's already happening. And no, I, I'm talking I, about being, being, doing numbers. Oh, bro, I'm telling, I'm telling you, it's already okay. happening. Um, I, I used Both. to, I used to share like certain records that, I mean, a lot of them aren't in English, but there are records that are popping in, you know, places like Sweden and places like the Netherlands that are Afro records and they fucking do stupid numbers but i mean you just wouldn't know because you don't speak dutch or swedish right so uh we're not we're not checking for it in the states but they have their own communities there and even in latin america there's latin american artists that are doing hundreds of millions of views every time they put out a record and a lot of that stuff is african you know oh yeah it's definitely especially if you go to places like colombia they have like their own world like j balvin isn't the only like j balvin may be the face of latin pop um, from there, but um, there's definitely like uh, Latin artists that are making Afro beats, Afro pop, whatever, down in Colombia that are doing stupid numbers. They just the the genres are called different stuff, whatever, in their local languages, and they have their own fan bases, and they're amassing tens of millions, hundreds of millions of views. Mm-hmm. That's but the interesting right. thing about um, success and music in general right now. Um, and it's about the fact that micro communities exist and you do not have to know anything about a genre, an artist, a scene for that genre, artist, or scene to be successful. Correct. Because they are delivering to their individual micro communities. And mm. it can be insulated now. You don't have to reach global stardom to be successful. This is a fact. This is a fact. I think right, we're well, going to, I guess transit into that to give you know little richard all his love because obviously this is something he's lived through uh, creating a sound or being one of the creators of the sound and not getting his flowers throughout throughout his life you know obviously rock and roll was richard's baby i'd say it's the architect um, of rock and roll talk about it um, so um, i mean yeah, people talk about not getting flowers and, and what have you, but I, I really think it's a generational divide because just yeah, because Richard definitely something got his flowers. happen, he definitely got his flowers. Um, just because, like, Gen Z and Millennial and, and, you know, Millennials didn't see it, like, on Twitter. They think it didn't happen. But mm-hmm. if Elvis calls, Little Richard, the King of Rock, if the Beatles called him the King of Rock, if black people called him the King of Rock, he got his flowers. He's like, mm-hmm. Little Richard has been praised and celebrated for a very long time. Um, and I think his genius has been studied for a very long time. I remember right before oh, he passed, funny. right before he passed, my timeline was talking about Little Richard just casually. Casually, mm, wow. before he passed, this is someone who I've seen has always been in conversation. Who's always, well, if you know music, let's say in conversation and respected um, across generations for such a long time. 
Um, and, you know, publications are doing their obituaries and they're kind of skating around what he is because I guess people look at crediting rock and roll to so many different people. But plus love, I don't know if you saw his tweet about how writers need to do their job and just stop skating around the bush and call him the king of rock instead of the blueprint, instead of the pioneer, instead of the godfather, instead like the terminology should be king of rock. Because that's essentially who Little Richard was. Mm-hmm. That's what he did. And I mean, not just that, I mean, he, for someone that, you know, has been breaking down barriers since the 50s, like, a lot of people forget that he was not just a black man growing up in the South, the deep South, but he was an openly, openly gay black man who grew up in the South, right? So he used to call himself the, I mean, he was self-described as the king and queen of rock and roll. And I think people forget that because they, you know, back then you didn't you didn't address it they were just like oh you know he's he's a little he's a little different he's unique but he would tell you he would tell anybody that cared to know that he was openly gay so he would call himself the king and queen of rock and roll mm. um, and, he, he, and he influenced yeah i mean he was fluid and he influenced i mean you look at david bowie you see how fluid bowie's um um uh persona was and he attributes all of that to someone like little richard right um and 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 mm-hmm. we think of all the glam rock and et cetera bands and disco and, and you know so forth all these different you know groups and influences that came from that 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 nexus right mm-hmm. and, the, and the, they all mm-hmm. they're all paying homage to someone like Little Richard. Mm-hmm. Well, the complexity with Little Richard is that at one point in his career, later on in his career, he denounced being gay. Yeah, and sweet. that is because he. He said that, you know, he found God and, you know, he went the, Christian, the super Christianity route. But that's just a testament to the fact that that's a reality for Black people from the Deep South today and back then who have to reckon with the church and reckon with the South and reckon with community and homophobia and all these different things. And it it was very visible and it was very apparent that Lil Richard had that conflict within him, where Mm. he denounced being gay after being openly gay for so long and Mm. saying that he was saved and straight afterwards. And, you know, he did an interview with David Letterman, the video is circulating at some point around right now where he talks about denouncing being gay and because he found God and the audience is laughing because they think it's a joke. Like if you watch that clip, the audience is laughing, but he's being dead serious. Um, and I guess that wasn't the time and the space to talk about that, but it, 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 it looked like he had been dealing with a lot in coming to that conclusion. Uh-huh. But again, those are heavy concepts and really complex com- concepts for the time period that all of that was happening. So uh-huh. when we talk about Little Richard being ahead of his time, it's in every capacity in music, from the social aspect, from a cultural aspect, from all of the aspects. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I wanted to pay homage to him. I know um, it happened last week. Obviously, days, what, same day earlier in the day, we also got um, the news on Andre. Um, today, I know you spoke on it online a lot, but I don't know if you want to 
Yeah, man. Andre Harrell, man. Andre is someone that I've met a good handful of times. Um, he is definitely someone that I considered a mentor and a lot of people that I that I've came up with in the music industry consider him to be considered him to be a mentor. Um, the last time I saw Andre, I want to say it was over the summer last, either last year at Diddy's house or I don't remember, maybe Revolt, Revolt Music Conference, but one of those, either either one of those times, and that was the last time I saw him. And just to know, like, so many people close to him uh, felt the same way about him, the way I felt about him. Like, he has influenced so many people. Um, just a, a, a ball of light and um, a, a reminder that no matter how annoying and frustrating the business can be, like, there's no one that has dealt with more frustration than probably, especially in the urban spaces because he has changed the face of urban music so many times. I can only imagine how many conversations he's been in where he's had to like, basically, you know, stop himself from beating somebody up because he sees the future and sees the opportunity for um, artists to kind of change the space. And, you know, here we are decades later and he's seen from new, from new Jack swing to hip hop soul to hip hop to, modern R&B to whisper and be like, he's had a hand in all of it, right? Um, so, I mean, we wouldn't have Diddy with, without Andre Harrell. And Andre Harrell um, was was the, the individual that convinced Diddy to, well, didn't convince him, fired Diddy from Uptown Records, uh, which was Diddy's uh, first um, introduction to the music business. He fired him from Uptown Records and basically was like, look, go do your own thing. You can mm -hmm. even take, take my artist Biggie and Go go run with you know Biggie and start this thing you believe in so much called you know call it whatever you want and that's how Bad Boy mm -hmm. was born. Um, we wouldn't have Mary J Blige, Real Love without Uptown Records. We wouldn't have mm -hmm. have Heavy and the Boys without Uptown Records. We wouldn't have Jonasy. We wouldn't have um, just so many so many influential acts, man. Like so, I mean Revolt. You know when Revolt was being put together, I remember so many friends in the media and journalism space that were so excited that there was going to be you know, a black publication that was, you know, essentially run by the likes of Andre, Harrell, and Diddy. And um, I've worked with Revolt a handful of times on a bunch of projects. And anytime I've um, been able to sit in a room with Andre and just hear him speak and just hear how he empowered young black creatives, um, it was just inspiring, man. Like one can only hope to have as much influence and, and respect as someone like him. So um, he'll be missed. And there's only so much I can say without getting choked up about it. So I'm not going to be soft, but uh, yeah, man, I'm just, I'm grateful that, um, that I was able to know him and learn from him and uh, I hope his soul rest in peace. Evia, did you know him? I never met him. Mm. I never met him. I've done some things with Revolt in the past. Um, I've never met him and I'm surprised that I've never met him. I know many people who have worked with him and I'll say, the most interesting thing about Andre Alou is that I've never heard a bad story about him. And in this industry, mm -hmm. that is so rare. I've never heard anybody say anything bad about him. Very, very true. Because it, it just, bad news flies so much. So that's one thing I can definitely agree Because I'm not even in it. And I've heard so much about a lot of the OGs in the game and people that, you know, created things we love. 
but not one, you know, nothing negative about Andre at all. Um, obviously, to let you know, I'm, um, Bessie worked for Revolt, so uh, she posted about it as well. But um, nothing negative whatsoever. So and he he gave there. a lot of people opportunities, no matter their proximity to him or anyone he knows, no matter their their success level. What I know is that he gave a lot of people opportunities a lot of my peers that i know when they were coming up what the common thread that i'm hearing is that he just listened to people and he gave them a chance and he was always interested in in kind of learning from that newness and learning from people who are new and i think that that has been instrumental in his success from day one because he gave diddy a chance um and to even have that vision to fire Puff just so that he would go on to do his own thing. That is the best example of being a good leader um, because I don't think a lot of people in that position would would make that move because you have to kind of believe in the people that are under you to do that. You have to have faith in them. You have to want to see them win. Um, it's a, and, right. you know, unfortunately, not many leaders and employers are like that. But Right, and... Um... Also, in firing him, you're basically saying you're not making any money from him, which is, you know, very rare for you to believe in somebody and say, okay, go make him, go do it on your own, you know, and I'm not worried about making a penny from you because you're doing this independent of, you know, my brand and my influence. So, yeah, great you point. I just want to see them grow. I just want to see them grow. Yeah. Great point. As an exec, he literally was like, look, man, like, I have to show you some tough love. And, you know, if you're going to learn anything from working with me, the final test is you, you know, like a bird being set out of the nest and figuring out how to fly on your own. And sometimes that, 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 those less of the tough love, like we don't really see a lot of that happening um, in this generation. And I think that there's a reason why there's only so many ditties and there's, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's only so many Lior's like, there's just people that, have had a different way of how they entered in the game. Like, I think a lot of people um, in this generation are, are, are really, I mean, not to say that they're not hungry, they're just, there's a different way that this generation goes about getting what they want now. A lot more people feel like they're owed shit versus working for it. And Diddy just comes from a different, clearly a different, you know, he's cut from a different cloth. Not to, mm, you know, not, to, not to say Diddy's perfect, but to have someone like know. Andre, yeah, not to, to, you know, someone like Andre Harrell being your, you know, your, your guiding star is, is definitely not a, a bad way to get your foot in the door. The yeah, industry. that's why I don't think the onus should be on this generation, the young people trying to get in. Uh, uh, uh. There's, there's <laughs> uh, a lack uh, uh. of mentorship. Y'all gotta remember. Yeah. That's what's up, if you know what I mean. Um, there's a lack of mentorship. There's a lack of leadership. There's a lot of blind leading the blind right now. Um, it's just the lack of the seasoned professional who cares, seasoned leader who cares. Um, there's just a lack of good leadership, and that's what it is. We can talk all day about young people want this, new people want to get this, they don't want to work. There's no mentorship, honestly. I agree. So a lot of people figuring a lot of it's a lot of people trying to figure it out on their own, and a lot of people not trying to open up spots or lose their own spots because they don't have the vision and they're not thinking longevity and they're not thinking legacy. Andre Harrell is legacy. Anyone that he brought up under him, 
helps define his legacy. That's why there's so many bad leaders because they don't understand that legacy is not about you. It's about who mm. comes after you. And no, what Andre Harrell gave Lior his first job, B. <laughs> like, this is what we're talking about. Like, we wouldn't have so many acts in music if not for Andre Harrell. Not because even like acts that he didn't sign directly himself, but people he empowered throughout his career that were able to make certain moves and sign certain acts and so forth. Like, and the relationship he had with so many artists that we don't even, we can't, we can't even quantify. Like just people behind the scenes that he's helped from Babyface mm-hmm. to Teddy Riley to Pharrell to Timbaland. Like we wouldn't have any of these guys, none of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, man. So rest in peace, man. It's 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 sad, but I mean, you know, he also. Are you aware that he has a son that looks exactly like him? Shane, <laughs> the all. Gianni looks exactly like Andre. It's actually freaked me out because I remember a few years ago we were at, uh, during Fashion Week. We all went out, and um, Gianni was sitting maybe like two rows ahead of me at a show. And I thought it was Andre, but I was like, no, no, no. This dude is way smaller than Andre. But literally same glasses, same face, same everything. And I was like, that's not Andre, but he looks just like Andre. And then I realized that it was Gianni. I was like, oh shit, that's so crazy how like he looks exactly like Andre. Yeah, that's his twin. <laughs> it's nuts. Um, but yeah, rest you in peace, know, Andre. You know who else? You know who else? Chuma. Oh my God! He yes, he does. And shout out to Marseille. He makes good music, like very. He 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 makes like really good music. Um, Okay, Truma. Doesn't he go by? He goes by another name because I follow him, but I'm trying to remember what name he goes by. Oh, his rap name. Yeah. Damn, it's like you don't know. I think. Yeah, it's uh, uh, I don't know him. Yeah, I don't know him. Truma Ose. Yeah, he he goes by I don't know him. Mm. Shout out to Chuma. Yeah. Um, so that's we covered Little Richard, we covered Andre. Now Tony Allen. Boom. But we covered Tony. Yeah. We covered we covered Tony last week. But yeah, we yeah, just we, losing yeah. losing three iconic um innovators back to back is because we're crazy. talking rock we're talking rock and roll, we're talking hip hop, R and B, New Jack Swing, Afro beat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I tweeted that the other day. I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Super crazy. Um, but um, I think um, I, like, I want to speak on the fact of, of what, what um, Ivia said earlier with the lack of, oh, I, I wouldn't say OG, I just mentors, right? Like, I feel like they're less mentors. Is that, I don't know why that is. Is it just because of, are we more in a DIY thing or is it just researchers? Like, I think the information is out there a lot more. Does that then affect mentorship a little bit? Um, what do you think? Um, what, what industry? Because, like, I think it helps to, to specify which industry. Because well, we which industry has with, its own issues. We can start with music, right? Because I remember... I don't know if it's a year ago or so. I remember there was one, I forgot what artist it was that signed. I think maybe Blueface or somebody had signed a deal. And then Joe Budden went on this rant on how these artists are signing contracts or falling into the same pitfalls that legends have, you know, gone through. And nobody's telling them, you know, the fact that 
most the, the the music industry like these information don't get passed on artist to artist, but obviously the brands and the companies know you know whatever um pitfalls these their companies have gone through and they're not making the same mistakes. So I think the music industry. I don't know. I know Tunde, you've spoken about like through our podcast, you've spoken about your mentors and those who've looked out for you and put you onto game. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it it exists our generation if we are passing down the torch i feel like the mental is like it's just less and less as we go and i think maybe the information is out there a lot more and people don't necessarily need to be involved with somebody to get it because a lot of people you know are doing what they have to do by themselves a lot of these acts are independent a lot of these acts you know are created they're following you know, from social media and creating a group, you know, with their friends, getting a friend as a manager and the friend is studying what they have to study. So I think in the music, I'll say the music industry more than anything is what I get to see a lot of. And I don't think the mentorship is happening as much as it used to. I wouldn't say the mentorship isn't happening. I just think that the wrong people are mentoring a lot of people. And so you think, I don't, well, think, the mentors, I don't think the mentorship has changed. I think... The times are different, whereas, you know, 10, 20 years ago, you, you called somebody your mentor. This, this means that this is someone that um, is influencing you because they had maybe more access or they just had a different perspective on life and they could, you know, empower you with a different way of thinking and, 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 and access and knowledge and tools and so forth. Nowadays, everybody has access to information. So it's definitely not like everybody, it's not like there's a, uh, like things aren't as secretive or, as as valued as they as they um or or revered as they used to be because everybody has access to essentially the same information one way or another right so um the act of mentorship has been devalued because every all these kids think they know everything and they think they don't need to uh, have an og talk to them like they the the idea of an og is dead to this generation they don't believe in it so I don't I don't think it's to blame. We can't keep blaming the younger generation because I'm not necessarily definitely... blaming them. I just think that there's been a shift in roles. I think that the average Gen Z person is not necessarily revering or um you know I don't think that they look at respect and loyalty and all these different terms. I think that those terms are kind of outdated to that generation. Not all, I think to most of them. I think a lot it of these... Co- it can't be outdated if they were never valued. There's, gonna, there's a conversation of whether something was valued and no longer valued or something was never introduced at all. Well, maybe maybe, maybe that's it then. Maybe that's it. But, but, but again, that goes back to my point. I think as millennials, like we're all millennials, we're at the, we're at the tail end of the, of the millennial generation, right? And I think for us, we were coming up during a time where there was a lot of shift as far as like, you know, who's influencing who, what's influencing who, like... We had TV raising a lot of us, our generation, right? So it's completely contrasting to the generations before us, where you know, you know, there's a lot, a lot more presence of people, like actual physical people in people's lives, in order for people to survive and grow and thrive and so forth. That was replaced by media and TV and the news and you know, you know, Sesame Street and Nickelodeon and Barney and all these different things. PBS, like our generation, got the most of that. So we were a lot more self-reliant than um and self-reliant as far as like entertainment and education goes than generations prior which were also self-reliant but in different ways because you know their generation maybe their parents were 
you know, working all the time. So they had to like stay home and babysit more and all this other stuff. So I think history is repeating itself where the Gen Z cats are also doing the same thing, but there just hasn't been a value of respect, loyalty, street codes, all these other things, because they just don't, they just don't see the value in it. They, they don't respect it because they don't care <laughs> for the most part. I mean, that's, why you can, that's why you can have somebody running around like Takashi doing whatever he wants because he doesn't fucking care. Like, He's not worried about the repercussion and every and clout has taken precedence over all these other terminologies that we've been speaking on. It's like people are more interested in going viral and getting attention and getting clout than respecting, you know, uh, uh, an oath or an agreement or something you did, you know, something that would actually mean something to maybe our generation or generations prior. And I don't think it's a secret. I think that, that like, we all kind of know, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm not expecting a Gen Z kid to necessarily uphold the same values that maybe I would. And I don't knock them for it. It's just our generations are different, you know? We're, we're not even that far removed. We're not on the we're not. tail end of millennials because and people is, on the tail end of the millennials... And that's a scary part. That's a scary Wait, part because... But the people little... on the tail end of the millennials, the oldest millennials are pushing 40. Correct. If we're being honest, the oldest millennials are pushing forty. With and the, young, the youngest, 20. the the youngest millennials are like what twenty six, twenty seven, right now, something like that. So then I'm on the the youngest end of the millennials. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And, I, 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 and I said, people I said, are asking, but then people are asking me to be their mentor. Do you do you get where there's like such a huge divide there? There's so many issues is. with this on all ends. I agree. It's like, it how is. can a 27-year-old be considered an OG? And then how are young people not even relying on the idea of mentorship or listening to more experienced people? And then why aren't more experienced people looking to up-and-coming people and helping them cultivate their craft and teaching them without preying on them? Because there's this whole other dynamic of people paying attention to newer people and coming in spaces, but then taking advantage of them. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. So but I, again, I also think it's, it's a, it's a generational thing. Like we're still far removed from Gen Z, even though you're a few years, we're all a few years removed from Gen Z. My little brother's Gen Z. Right. And the difference is like, we can still remember the time before the AOL floppy disks and the AOL CDs reached our homes where we actually had to go outside and play with our friends in order to have a good time where we, you know, we actually had to do certain things, you know, offline. Our, our, the younger cats, the Gen Z cats don't know a life without the internet. They've literally been raised off of YouTube for the most part. Right. Um, everything is interactive to them. They're, they're smarter, like, uh, give or take, they're smarter than our entire generation, but the way they use their brain is completely different than, from the way that, that our generation uses our brain or has used our brain, right? So I think that there's there's just a difference in culture just because of the exposure we've had to technology, in, in most cases, not all, right? Um, and it is interesting because the same thing, I don't feel like I'm that much different from most Gen Z cats, but for a lot of these younger cats to reach out to the likes of me and Bawe and you for mentorship. It's like, damn, it's like, we're literally five or six years apart. Is there really that much of a gap? Literally. Um, I don't even have a mentor. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think, I think a big thing now is 
how quickly uh, the word of our work spreads. Because mm. in access, I think we didn't have that. Like, for you to get, like, Andre, like, if because we, we spoke on Andre, let's say Andre in his mid-30s, um, or even early 30s, like, he would be on social media, right? So you'd be able to shoot him a DM. And mm. maybe he sees your tweet or something like that. So I think that changes things a little bit. Access, and obviously... We would be seeing Andre post studio sessions with Heavy D or Mary J or, you know, like the content would be there. So I think it changes how quickly we get to that space where people think I want to be like this or I love the path you're in and I want to be a part of it and I want you to show me the way. So I think it changes a little bit because now when the average person that wants to go into entertainment might hear of Andre would be a lot later you would need to pray to God that you can get an assistant or somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, you know, like that's how the stories are back in the days. But now you can obviously, if you, I'm sure your DMs are there where you have young writers or journalists, whatever it is, trying to reach out to you and speak to you because of what you've done so far. It could be just one gig. They could have just seen you on Netflix and then done the, and done their research. And now Mm -hmm. they see your username and obviously, um, you're I, I feel like you respond to a good amount of people online um on twitter and instagram so you're gonna get that people people can reach out to you a lot quicker than any other generation and people can learn of your work you know because we wiki didn't exist back then like everything is there like you type someone's name on google that everything shows up so i think i think it changes it a little bit so i think we become like we become mentors quicker than we would want to yeah. because we're still mm-hmm. figuring a bunch of things out. But a lot of people are celebrating what we have while we're not necessarily in a place where we're like, okay, this is where I want to be. So we're still chasing, we're yeah. still on the path. But people are like, oh, my God, where it is you are is, you know, where a big deal. So, you're right. So yeah, I think that's, that's a very good point. That's a very good yeah, point. Yeah, and also, the, go ahead. No, continue with what you were going to say. No, I was going to say, like, also the people that we see as mentors might not be as accessible for them. Yeah. You know, the people the people I would want to mentor me or you would want to mentor you that you would also think they would reach out to, they just don't know their work or, they like, I'm pretty sure there's somebody that's 18 or 20 years old probably a month ago that wouldn't even think of, that would maybe want somebody on Instagram over Andre. You know, yeah. just because of what they see on their page or yes. what they, you know, what they post or what, you know, or just the fact that they could DM them. So yeah. I think it changes a lot. But obviously now, like you guys have said, a lot of these people will use you because one, they're not qualified and two, they're still chasing it. So if you can help them get there, they're going to do what they have to do because yeah. a lot of that's why we get these old tweets popping up and we get this, old, you know, people coming up with, oh, this person, I linked up with this person a year or two ago and it was supposed to be good because they're not qualified to be your mentor. And they might say yes to it, but when push comes to shove back against the wall, they're going to just do what's best for themselves and their brand and their family because they're not in a place to give knowledge and take a risk on you and put you on payroll and introduce you to this, you know, the moves and shakers of the world. So I think it. people have to research what a mentor really is. It's not just because you see somebody, you know, of course, 
we enjoy, like I think every and any one of us would enjoy the praise and we're thankful for it, but we have to like readjust and redefine what being a mentor is. And I, when you said the, you know, people reaching out to you, I was wondering why it happens, but I also think access is a big thing on why it continues or it will happen more and more. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, it happens a, a lot for me. It's very overwhelming, extremely overwhelming. The amount of messages and emails and requests that I get for mentorship, and I don't even think people realize I do not have a mentor. So everything that I've succeeded in thus far, I've been figuring it out and just doing it, you know? So it's, it's also this dynamic of we don't want to mislead people, and we help when we can. Um, but we also are still navigating things ourselves, but we, we are further than a lot of people and uh-huh. they see that and they want to be in the position that we are in, even though we are trying to get to another position. Correct. So there's that dynamic, but it's also, I'm like a very, um, I'm, I'm traditional when it comes to this idea of learning something and, and not perfecting but continuing to do something and getting better and better and better. I'm a huge advocate of education. I know everybody's like, forget school, forget learning, forget all. Like, I'm a huge advocate of education and training, whether it's in or outside of university. I don't care about university. I care yeah. about training, the skill set, being taught. I would rather be a student than be a professor. Okay. I care about the training of something because that is the only way to get great. Think of Stevie Wonder, rest his soul, just passed, um, you know, his birthday just passed. Um, not rest his soul, I'm, think, I'm referring to someone else. Um, his birthday yeah. just passed. Um, but Stevie Wonder has been a professional recording artist since he was 12 years old. Yep. Since he was 12 years old. Hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he literally, he literally, doesn't, he literally doesn't know learning? a life outside of, outside of being on the piano. Do you know how much training for decades to be who Stevie Wonder is today? Decades of training to mm-hmm. get to where he is today. I'm 27 years old. I am not at my fullest potential. No matter how anyone sees everything that I've done, because I have done a lot for someone my age, I'll give I'll give mm-hmm. people that I have done a lot. And I see that, and I know how it looks from the outside. But at the end of the day, I'm going into a place where I'm training every day to be in a completely different position. Uh-huh. So it's very difficult to focus on yourself and focus on dozens and dozens of other people and not having the bandwidth to do so mm. um, and not having the resources to do so. Like I can lend my knowledge every now and then. I have no issue lending my knowledge. I do it all the time, answering questions, giving advice, all that. I was an editor, you know, I was an editor. Like that's what I was doing as a job. Um, I have no issues doing that. I do it all the time, but I also, I don't think that people see it from my perspective, but also I do see it from their perspective because like Bao said, it's about access now. In the past, you didn't see someone coming up in real time. You couldn't see their life on social media. You couldn't see their, their career layout. There's people who have been following me since I was 18, 
mm. when I've seen like my career progress where it is now. You know, they don't see everything because I don't post everything. That's the thing. And a lot of people's point of discovery is what they see. Uh-huh. And what you see is not what everything is. So if someone discovered me when I did Netflix, so their first point of reference of me is Netflix. Or someone discovered me when I was an editor at OK Player. Their, their only point of reference of me is OK Player. Or when someone discovered me when I was in their times, when I was Village Voice, when I was, like, wherever you first see someone on social media is usually your point of reference. So it is very difficult for someone to get the full scope of what you do because they're just looking at social media or whatever's presented online. Correct. Um, but as you and I both know, um, your entire career and everything that you do is not online. Um, so it, that in itself can be very one-dimensional. But it is just a lot to keep up with. And I don't think that young people should be tasked with being mentors when they're unequipped to be mentors. But I do uh, think that young people can still help younger people in whatever capacity that they can. But the issue comes when people um, take advantage of that position and when they're not equipped to be in a position or when they don't want to help um, and they just want to take advantage. And... Or just not, or just not, or just not share their knowledge and try to empower others under after them. Yes, exactly, because they yes. feel like they're gonna lose something. They feel like they're gonna lose their own position, you know? and that's because not everyone is a, a real leader. Not everyone Correct. is built to be a leader. Exactly. Look yeah, at someone like look at someone like Andre Harrell. Like if Andre was like, oh no, I look, I see, I see someone like Puff. I know Puff is gonna be, you know. Is going to change, you know, going to be a legend in his own right someday. But let me stifle him because I'm worried that he may be taking, he may take my job at Uptown, right, at MCA. Yeah. Let me, you know what I'm saying? Like, can you imagine? I've experienced it. I've experienced it. So have I. I've experienced that. Like, and you know? I'm not even going to speak on that because it's poor leadership. Yeah, 100%. It's there's poor people that, leadership. There's people the that think that your light is going to dim their shine. And it's those people that end up losing because you have to. I've seen it time and time again. There's people that I came in the game with, people that were my bosses, people that were seniors, you know, at companies I've worked at who have who I've turned around and given them jobs in different positions, you know what I'm saying, throughout my career. So like people forget like tables turn. So like I I I can't sit here and say that I would be anywhere in my career without um you know being perceptive to that and the and the, the natural order of things and just paying it forward every chance I get. Like I'm not perfect either, right? But there's been multiple opportunities where I've also considered like, am I even in a position to mentor this kid or give this person advice or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you just have to just be that person for someone yeah. who like your, your, your feedback could be the difference between somebody changing the world and somebody deciding to live an average, mediocre, regular life. Yeah. And you can only tell someone what you know and what yeah. you know changes every day. Yeah. And I mean, there's so, there's somebody even, but I've watched Bawo too. I've watched Bawo, you know, talk to, various people who were second guessing stepping into their own you know spaces and creative spaces and career spaces from artists to designers to chefs to all you know what i'm saying i've seen bao have similar conversations so i know he empowers people the way he knows how to just by being himself and some people are just mm-hmm. natural some people are just natural naturally good at doing that um mm-hmm. and some people aren't some people are very insecure about what they do some people aren't even confident that they deserve to be where they are so they're worried that they're they're always worried that they're going to potentially lose, um, you know, 
where they are in their space or you know whatever and um unfortunately that's that's how it is sometimes for a lot of, for a lot of cats um Bao, are you still there no i'm here i'm listening I, I i'm think... listening i'm i'm soaking it all in um i i i just i feel like that's a good conversation to have because like you said um a lot of people don't know how to do it and what scares me the most and the reason you know i've spoken to you about doing pr for a long time mm-hmm. it's just um finding finding young black african talent and working with them because a lot of people interested in working with potential are just looking to capitalize on your innocence capitalize on your talent and put you on contract because you know every every six three to six months we hear about somebody that signed the wrong contract or somebody that's trying to break out of something with the wrong person you know um and obviously what was it two weeks ago we had um the male in the industry like people like blogzilla being called out you know Uh obviously i'm not industry, so i'm not afraid to call out names but um yeah i don't care but um people like that (laughs) taking advantage of up-and-comers you know so i it's and again he gets to put his work out you know he gets to put his you know his pictures his interviews whatever it is and people that actually care about the the craft we're going to reach out and try to you know take advantage of you know the access they have through social media and meet with this person and you know show their skills and then you get somebody taking advantage of them and this is why like everybody doing something good in that path is not a mental you know or even even if you're willing to work for them for free and sometimes they look to take advantage and that's why i'm like a lot of good people have to break into pr like you have to be able to reach out and teach and monetize it. There's not wrong with monetizing a gift you have because there are a lot of bad people looking to take advantage of what, you know, what you have, what, what skills you have, the interests you have, the fire burning inside, like people are looking to take advantage of that. And they have a little something, whether it be influence or access or following, because even following is, it's leverage nowadays. So mm. you have to be very careful with who you, you know, choose to, you know, align yourself with. And if somebody tells yes. you they don't want to mentor you, that could also be a blessing. You know, yes. go do what you got to do. Diddy got fired so he could create Bad Boy. And Bad Boy leads to everything that he is now, you know, from um, the clothing line to the TV shows. Like, Diddy is just, you know, he's not one thing. So um, just be aware. And I wanted you guys to speak on that because. You guys are more, in, you know, you're into it more yeah. than I am. So. Yeah, I'm very, very cognizant of alignment. And this is why you don't see me associating with anyone, really, because I don't know what's what. <laughs> I guess you could say so. But people, what I've noticed is, um, for years I've noticed this, is that people love proximity to whatever. And the word now is clout, but for me, it's proximity and alignment. Um, And I've just seen how people are so quick to align with anyone with a semblance of visibility and success or what have you. And they're quick to want to align with or have proximity to celebrities in any capacity or just people moving or people who are hot right now in, you know, the entertainment space, the music space, the nightlife space or whatever. I'm quick to disassociate. I'm quick to not align at all because 
number one, I just, that's just not how I move in general. Like naturally, I'm not someone, uh, I don't, I don't see that. It's just not, that's not how I operate. Um, I don't feign friendships and I don't feign proximity to people and I don't do the name dropping stuff and I don't, like, I like to move as a solo entity um, because naturally just that's just how I move. And also people are liabilities because you don't know what the hell is going on behind the scenes. I've had to learn a lot of things the hard way. Learned about Blackzilla the hard way. I did not know what that nigga did. Like, I didn't even know, I wasn't even familiar with his work let alone, you know, all the stuff that he was doing behind the scenes and everyone who was taken advantage of. Um, but I've seen people wanting to align with anybody who had a platform and who had anything and people needing to align with people with platforms because how else do you enter the industry if you're young and you have potential and you want to learn, but then someone takes advantage of that and someone preys on you instead. Um so I just think there's danger in alignment, but then there's so much that can come from a good alignment, you know. Um, but clout culture is definitely a thing. Abuse of power is definitely a thing. And that's one of the other aspects that make mentorship and learning and partnering with people very difficult in these spaces. It's, it's absolutely, I don't even know where the culture is headed, but I guess. We'll take it as it comes. But hello, Sunay. I'm here. Okay. No, I don't. I don't know how to follow that. And I just want to say, anyone, I think the promo should be come listen to hear if you say that nigga. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard I feel like I've only heard EVA say that word one time before. And it was a very privileged conversation and it was very uh yeah, yeah, yeah. number two. Yeah, that yeah, nigga, yeah. she's doing so much. I'm Correct. big uptown energy. You guys have to respect us uptown guys. No, no, no. I'm not mad about it at all. You know, she's an adult. She's this an is adult. not syndicated, so I feel like I could, I could concur. Yeah. Yeah, you can give them. You can give them. It's your world. We're just living in it. Um, all right. So let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, let's do. Um, we could just do the songs, song of the week, because I'm excited to yeah. hear what you and EVA yeah, have. You know what I'm saying? I'm really excited to hear what y'all have been listening to. And if you uh, if you want to impart any special music gems on our listeners, I will be back. And we are back because, you know, we took 17 years on that break. Um, song of the week. What have you guys been listening to? What's popping in the streets? You know, I don't listen to music, so I don't know what's popping in these streets. No, you don't listen to music, huh? No, nah, I, I don't even know what music is. What is music? I don't know what music is. <laughs> Hey, when did you fall in love with hip hop? No. <laughs> That's so funny. She's right. like, yeah, C- C- Cedric Ave, you know, I'm from the Bronx. Right. Uh, hey, Becky. Cool Herc is my uncle. That's my hot take. I really don't like that movie. Ooh. <laughs> that's well, it's not that I don't like it. It's just that I think that's kind of corny. Okay. Well, I don't want to get beat up by anyone in the Bronx, so I'm going to skip over that. <laughs> well, do you got it? Um, wait, how do I feel about that movie? <laughs> I think it was. Isn't it, it not corny? corny? It is corny, but it was. I I think it was. It was like corny needed. I guess like yeah, that's that it. Time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. like because it's like um, 
what's the, the shit on Netflix right now? Um, Black as fuck. It's like there's like corny things that aren't for certain demographics, but invite others to certain cultures. Yes. Because so, Black as fuck, like, I enjoy the fact that a writer is putting themselves in front of the camera. Like, I enjoy seeing Larry David on the show. I enjoy. Like, because the writers and the people that think of comedy, they're usually not people, like, they're, they're not people friendly. Seinfeld is not people, you know, they come up with the jokes and they they people watch and they come up with content. So I see myself in that a little bit. So certain things that are corny but needed for a different demographic, I guess, because it's not like you watch that movie and you fall in love with hip hop. But, you know, yeah. there are others that yeah. see it and be like, okay, this is, yeah. cool. you know. I mean, that's. That's what I usually chalk it up to, and I, like I, I rarely say I hate something or I don't like something. I always say I'm not the demographic. It's not for like, me. That's it. Okay. So what, what are y'all listening to? That's for y'all right now. Well, I, I just started Odunsi because I know he dropped something. Hey. Um, so I didn't know that years ago I, I, I had him as my um song of the week, but you know I'm not gonna. Congrats to Odunsi, yeah. Yeah, man. He has a very strong management team. Shout-outs to Kamani. You know, she discovered and, and groomed and, and managed him. And then, you know, she's just been very integral in, in how he's been perceived in the space. And the whole Altair wave, like, there's so many different cats in the Altair wave right now that are killing it from the DRB cats to, mm-hmm. to, to you know, the Palm Wine boys. Like, there's just so many cats that are pushing this all tech movement forward so i love it anyways yeah so which song did you pick bawo oh wait i'm oh they haven't announced so yeah i was gonna say who got signed but um i think you know already i was saying okay we'll move on because i don't know when they're gonna announce it i thought it would have been announced by now uh um, yeah no, my, it hasn't, it hasn't you know who i'm yet. talking about right yeah, yeah, yeah it's not with you it's not with you yeah but, yeah yeah, so yeah. I'll just say version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big, big, big shout out to Adilzi. Um, so, so my song, I'm. No, he is. Um, I'm obviously. I think that next wave out of our uh, our country would be that sound. Um, so I'm quite excited because I don't know. Well, that should be another day on how where Afrobeats is then headed. But um, absolutely. Um, my song, I'm gonna go with my guy from New York. Cause I've been going all over, so we'll come back to New York and show some love. Cause he <laughs> dropped something recently. Okay. Um, Chief Deji. Okay. Yeah, Chief Deji. He's been working. Dropped. Um, dropped a full um body of work earlier. Yeah, we've been supporting his music on the podcast for some time. He's he's a friend of the show for sure. Um, definitely. Yeah, a, yeah. You know, young African, uh, young Afrobeats artist from New York, killing it. Um, What's the name? Friend? I didn't hear the name. Chief uh, the name of the song, the his it's Chief. The name of the song is called Video Call. Okay. And the artist name. Chief DG. So it's spelled. Oh, I've heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom. So shout out to Chief, Chief DG. Here is Video Call. I'm Chief DG. Oh oh. I'm that day for her. You did blow my head, oh yeah Na na na, ah, let me now Can I concentrate? Girl, you got me confused You got me in the mood, yeah, 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 yeah. 
Jojo Baro Anywhere you day, I'm coming for you I'm calling on you, yeah Jojo Baro Anywhere you day, I'm calling on you I'm coming for you, yeah I believe you go I believe you go Ever since you left, girl, I'm all alone. Ooh, baby. Ever since you left, I'm locked up on away, baby. What you got me to see what you got me into Nah, 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 me to you, baby Girl, you drive me, girl, you drive me crazy Crazy, crazy, yeah My video go, my video go Ooh, my video go My video go, yeah My video go That was video call. Big up to Denji. <laughs> uh, big up to, I know um, a bunch of the New York Nigerian artists are doing a versa type thing just to, you know, get their name out there and get their um, their following up and just having people here to sound. So shout out to everybody. And, you know, once we have more information definitely. on it, we'll just add it to the end of the episode so everyone can partake. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, I guess we'll save easier for last. You ready, Tunde? So it's interesting that you brought up Adunsi earlier because my oh, song of the week <laughs> is from is from Adunsi the Engine. Uh, he just put out an EP uh, called "Everything You Heard Is True," and mm. the record that I've decided to choose for my song of the week is off that project it's called airplane mode i think for anyone that isn't really familiar with the alt test scene and like the alt pop afro pop hybrid um sound that adunsi has been pushing for some years now airplane mode is is one of those records that kind of gives you like a like a like the most relatable uh sound from like encompassing his his career so there's a there's I mean the whole tape is fire but that was like the track to me that stood out the the title the not the title track but the first track on the project um and then this track airplane mode were my top two so um yeah so this is airplane mode <laughs> hey, 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 hey. 
Shawty don't talk like I know ya. Hey, Shawty don't talk like I owe ya. Hey, took a right straight to the donut. Don't look, she do lines in the corner. Hey, she won't do me like a farmer. Hey, I'm too wise to be all ya. Hey, I'm too wise to be all ya. Hey, gonna love hey, for ya. Hey, I can never lose what I told ya. Hey, you be playing games that I told ya. Hey, I did that money, I just done ya. That was airplane mode off his latest project. Everything you heard is true. Um, yeah. So, Evie, what are you blessing us with this week? This is an actual blessing. Hey. Um, it's not an acting song, not an acting artist whatsoever. Okay. Um, this is a rapper who is critically acclaimed, but not widely known. I thought you were about to say critically injured. I was like, Jesus. No. He's an older statesman, but he's not a hip hop heavyweight. He's from New York, very New York. He's from Brownsville. And his name is Ka. You're not talking about Brownsville Ka. Brownsville Ka. You're not talking about Brownsville Ka. I mean, that's one of my favorite rappers. So, funny enough, Evie, you're the one that put me onto Brownsville Ka, and I don't even think you know you did. Something happened last year with Brownsville Ka where he was on the timeline, and you were the one that put me onto it. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very aware of him because his wife Mimi. Yeah, um, yeah. There's there's millions of ways that Mimi and I are connected, but um. And me, it's Mimi Valdez, like everybody. Like, yeah. You cannot know Mimi Valdez if you're within the culture. Yeah. Absolutely. And then, you know, our relationship with Pharrell, like, so yeah, Mimi, Mimi and I go back, and I'm grateful that uh, um. I've been put onto so much because of the likes of you and her, but yeah, I didn't realize that she was married to Ka, and that's and your timeline is the first place I saw his name mentioned, and then it was um, maybe Carly that mentioned yeah. him after. Mm-hmm. But yeah, see, shout outs to women putting us on the good music. So bless yeah. us now, bless us. If you only listen, so yeah, Brownsville Ka just released an album called Descendants of Cain, mm. and. He, I, I have to get background on him because I just don't feel like enough people within these spaces, enough people like within our generation also don't know of him. But I mm. also think he doesn't care. Um, <laughs> and that's what I love about him. The way he administers his music is very, very um, unconventional in terms of how the industry functions. He does not do the industry stuff whatsoever. Um, he, he, he does vinyls a lot. He does like meet and greets whenever he drops something, which is not often. And he's very much so a recluse by all, all intents and purposes, like the definition of a recluse. 
Um, mm-hmm. You're not going to see him on social media, like, at all. He's on Instagram and Twitter. He just doesn't use it. Um, and that's an allure that's missing from celebrity culture that I think I prefer. Um, mm-hmm. And Ka is one of the most skilled rappers ever, in my opinion. His music is so dense. His lyrics are so dense. I'm still revisiting all of his albums. Like, you re-listen and you learn all the time. You reinterpret things all the time. Boom. And so- the song that I'm choosing from his album is the final track, the 11th track on the album. And it actually mentions Mimi Valdez. The song is called I Love, parentheses, Mimi, Moms, Kev. I love it. Oh, wow. That's a boom. So we're going to get into that right now. I love. I love. I love. Pick me up when I was at my lowest. Used to hardly get spell, now I'm hell with the poets. That was all you're doing. Was filthy, you built me when I was all ruined. How you soaked me with compliments really helped out. Boasted all confidence in my self doubt. Was dying for my thirst, she was clearly a well It eventually made me empty, I was merely a shell Not observer was on the verge of cracking Till you said I had a gift, when you heard me rapping With your warm responses, I was taken aback Former partners had me feeling like what I was making was whack Didn't offend me, saw something in me, I was blind to Who knew the finish finding me, I had to find you To close the thought, support was life-saving Not death is minor, you got me living life major I stay forever, you make me better I love, I love Since birth, when hurt or sick, the only person I seek Could write a play about strength on how you work in the week Wanted to give you the world, I saw you here struggling All praise to the father, I had you here mothering Sorry for the times I was belling in my teens But you know I had felon in my jeans Was bad man in bad lands chasing desire From viewing what you went through and learned grace under fire Saying you proud of me, the sweetest words ever Pure soul, I know moms, you deserve better Whatever ailments you nurse me, back to health Defend me even when the enemies affect myself Show me love when all I seen was hate Said I was special to impress you, wanted to be seen as great It's my kiss to thank you for the unconditional And though I may not see you as much, I'm always missing you Sacrifice was a facts of life I love I love Held me down when I needed it most Whether shoulder to cry on or I needed to toast And would never let me go it alone Everybody called it the slum, but we know it is home From where we from, we supposed to be thug We both shared a different dream, we was closer than blood Learned from you, how to pour my heart in a song Way ahead of your time, it was just hard to get on Ain't gonna lie, just wanted to buy houses for the fam Move them out the hood, give them thousands and some land them night sessions of eternal life lessons That I still use today when I'm uptight stressing Always said we was veteran survivors And even though you passed, you'll forever be the livest Was an honor to see you shine, I was blessed son Cause in the end, as far as friends, you was the best one Gave so much and behaved so clutch I love I love I love
prosperity, life to you. Okay. EVA with the with the Brownsville love. I definitely gotta listen to the album. I'm not hip at all. Yeah, I'm gonna listen to it as well. If you like rap, 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 like dance lyricism and like meaningful like content, I highly suggest it. But I I suggest you listen to his projects in sequence because they all have themes. Um, Is the Greek the Greek mythology theme is 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 rampant in his work. Um, Oh wow. I'm in love already, Dad. Let's get it. Let's get it. Yeah. All right. So, is there anything else we haven't covered before we wrap up? No, I think that was it. Almost. My birthday's coming up. Evia, what oh, are we doing for your birthday besides being inside? I would, beside a Zoom call, because that's what everybody's <laughs> doing now. So, I don't I still, know I'm, still, I'm ashamed for Skype. They dropped that bag crazy. But anyway, 100%. Yes, Evia, as they tend to. What, What's the? Are we coming over for fried rice? What's the, what's the plan? I'm not making it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, fucking funny. Like you know, fried rice and some fish. You know, that's not bad. Yeah, Something like social distance. No, no, we'll come and pick it up. We Bao Bao speaks. You know, let me just tell you something. Bao speaks French very well. Yeah. So when he says we. <laughs> the guy yes, speaking we French. We okay. mean him, yes, we will. Thank you, Obama. Nah, First, yes, we, yes, we can. Now, nah, yes, we will. Shut up, dear guy. Well, we definitely. When's your birthday? What date is it? May 27th. The same day as Andre 2000. Same okay. Day as oh, really? Same day as Left Okay. Oh. Just got know. all the facts, all the birthday facts. My birthday yeah, is not that popping. My birthday celebs are not that popping. <laughs> I'm very jealous. But now we're I have no idea. No idea what, what I'm doing. How does the Oh wow. I don't know what that was. Just I, making I'm making, I'm making mad noise. I it sounded like some offbeat Disney song. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> the xylophones you were hearing took me back to them little kids in Nigeria that used to wear xylophones because they used to kill it back in Nigeria. Anyway, um, what's it called? How does an influencer celebrate their birthday? You're asking the wrong person. As as my favorite influencer. I'm not an influencer. I'm influential. Yeah. There's a big difference. No, <laughs> I love bothering you with this. But now, happy early birthday. We're going to turn up on the timeline, and if anything comes up, we'll, we'll show up. If you, if For you sure. I would like party, money. If you retake this wide wide state and let us know. Okay. I would like money. So if you think that, money, money. All right, we'll figure it out. Send the cash app. Put Evia. Evia's cash app needs to go on this um on the bio. Like, don't play. Stop playing. Oh wow! I just googled my birthday, and we're popping. Actually, I apologize. I have Dave Chappelle. I have Dave Chappelle, which is just a one. I have Rupert Grint, which I knew already. Chad Michael Murray, I guess. Vince McMahon and um, some more people that are really popping that I don't know about. But August twenty fourth, we have some cool people. Yeah. Oh, just think, Sky. I did not know we shared a birthday. 
Watch your mouth. I did not know we shared a birthday. I, I'm, I didn't I'm just, know I'm that. Just, I'm just kidding. I just, you know, I have to say that anytime my name comes up. Yeah, I know. I, 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 I <laughs> over there. Anyway, we'll, we'll wrap the podcast <laughs> up on that note. <laughs> Oh, thank like, you, hmm. thank you, EVA. <laughs> EVA, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope to see you more often. You know, like whenever you're interested in, you know, making a permanent, you know, <laughs> po- podcast, uh, you know, journey. You know, let us know. We would love to have your energy on this on the show more often. Definitely. Thank you so much for yeah. having me. You know, if we got to talk about, if we got to talk about, you know, sliding off some percentages, let's have that conversation offline. <clears throat> Definitely. <laughs> Don't play. Boom. All right, y'all. All right. Well, this was great. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Evie, where can our listeners find you on the interwebs? Instagram, I-V-I-E, period, A-N-I. Twitter, I-V-I-E, A-N-I. Facebook. I-V-I-E-A-N-I. Look at that. Look, see, this is branding 101. If you want to find me, find me at the same place everywhere. You get me. I hate when I when people are like, yo, follow me on Instagram. And then I'm like, what's your shit on Twitter? And it's like, it's okay, so it's my Instagram, but instead of the way it's on Instagram, there's an underscore here. Nope. And there's nope. a the, then there's a one at the end, but yeah, it's the same, but it's not. I'm like, oh Jesus. Anyway, brand, please get us. Exactly where to find me. Seven letters, my real name. Ooh, she said y'all not even you don't even got real names she said I'm, I'm from the Bronx I got the realest name Bronx EVA I'm always excited when we have uptown people on it's just a, it's just a beautiful team look just keep but the, just keep the violence no, away from me no, there's no violence uptown it's love uptown there's no violence outside do you see how that literally made me laugh out loud it's love. It's dead love. Like EVA. Like I don't know. Us uptown people, we're all about love. We're very excited seeing each other. Like whenever I see EVA, I be hype. She knows. Us that. uptown people. Like I didn't just leave uptown. I'm just kidding. No, I no, don't no. claim uptown. There's different levels of uptown. There's like <laughs> Manhattan uptown and there's BX uptown. There's, we, we have different struggles. We get it. Y'all have y'all have y'all have a target. What do you have? Y'all have Target and what else? Um. Um, we have a bunch of Starbucks all over right now, so we, we you know, that's, we're hip. But crazy. back in the day, it was just Dunkin' Donuts, you know. Yikes! Yikes! So yikes. Now. All right, y'all. Peace. This was this episode was great. Six. sixty. Episode sixty. Wow, nice. We're just gonna tap. It's gonna be titled EVA. Cause... <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it's just gonna be called EVA, and we're gonna put her face on it. <laughs> I know the picture already. Yeah, yeah, you already know. <laughs> I'm curious as to what you pick. Oh, uh, you're not going to you know the picture. You're going to send it to us now. She's curious. She's curious. Like, it's not part of our portfolio. Right. Hmm. That portrait's great. Come on. Well, I don't know which portrait you're going to choose. You will know. Shut up there. You will know. <laughs> 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 All right, y'all. Have um, a blessed, have a blessed go ahead, go ahead. Uh, week, weekend. Um, thank you, listeners, for joining us for episode 60. Stay safe. Stay indoors. Don't get coronavirus. Trying to, you know, be heroes. Stay locked down before we end up locked down for till 2021 because y'all niggas don't listen. Boom. That's it. <laughs> thank you again. Thank you. Appreciate y'all. We shall Likewise. talk. All right. Peace. Later.